Hi everyone. Hello, hello. We are back. Who knew that we would be back? <laughs> I thought that was it. Yeah, that's true. I never believed anyone would listen to our first episode. To yeah. Be fair, so thank you for freaking listening. crazy. Yeah, I really yeah, appreciate it. And also, I realized that we never mentioned um, how far apart we were from each other. We never mentioned where we were. So to clarify, Sarah's in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and I'm in London in the UK in case you're wondering. Also, in case you're wondering why the audio might be a bit off or anything like that. Yeah, we're not in the same room. It's uh, through many different trials and errors of Zoom calls and Google Meets. Yep. And trying to schedule like the right time because I think we're eight hours apart. Uh, First, I want to address something. It sounds so serious. It was... (laughs) Sarah, I'm actually quitting this podcast after the second episode. After Sorry. the second episode. We'll do this one because I've already done the research, but after that, forget after it. After that, forget it. I'm done. No, what did you want to say? I wanted to mention that a lot of cases we will be discussing do involve mental health, and we are very aware of it. We don't ever want to downplay it. Unfortunately, there are so many cases that are driven by mental health conditions. Um, I'm... I'm currently doing my postgraduate in psychology and I know Sarah was the first person to ever sit down with me and talk about mental health. So she's always been an advocate about it. Um, so we definitely want to bring mental health in the discussions that we have. And I know, for example, a lot of Asian culture, mental health is still a sensitive topic and even a taboo. Um, it's a topic that people have slowly started dipping their toes in more, but it still needs a lot of work. We just want to normalize it yeah just want to normalize the idea of talking about mental health Mm -hmm. you know every everyone has issues yeah uh, but it's we did sometimes it's not easy to talk about them so we're just yeah we're we are very much open books if you meet us we're very much like oh yeah you know today Mm -hmm. it's just not been great (laughs) exactly and there are so many layers um to how people perceive the world and people around them and like we know that a lot of cases there's a lot of trauma and how people are raised and like even how their cognitions work and stuff like that so it's a lot and yeah and seek help professional help if you need I think that's the biggest thing when people don't realize they have a problem and that's when things get like escalate there's so many cases that could have been preventable if people just got the help that they needed which is really sad and you know, there are new um, facilities opening up locally, like in Malaysia. Mm, uh, yeah, I was about to say, health. yeah. They're super affordable and, um, you know, it's also therapy is not one size fits all. It just no. because the first time you meet a therapist, you yeah. feel like nothing happened. Try another therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not always going to click with everyone that you meet. So it's the same thing when you're finding a therapist. So today we're going to talk about Sarah's favorite subject. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love cult. Um, I realize that I'm not that big into cult after doing a few research on it, and but anyways, I know you love it, so I'm very excited it's for you. Stupid, like <laughs> their ideas are stupid. Is that why you don't like it? I don't know. It's just so it's so heavy. It's everything's like yeah. There's everything so many yeah it's it's a lot to like unpack it's not Mm -hmm. just like oh he murdered his wife exactly 
he no. had trauma, like he was molested as a child. Like, no, it's like there's <laughs> there's just so much research put into it because technically yeah. they're like little um, religions, I guess, in a way. I mean, yeah, they are. Mm, yeah, they believe their religion. So mm-hmm. there's like a lot to unpack in it. But, you know, I remember my mom talked about this cult that happened in Malaysia and it's this guy called Ayapin. And his real oh, name, yes, right, it blew up. His real yeah. name is Arifin Muhammad, and he had like a cult, and it was basically called Kerajaan Langit, which is um, Sky Kingdom. And he claimed to be like the direct contact with heaven. His followers believed he was reincarnation of Jesus, Buddha, Shiva, and Prophet Muhammad. So he's, everything. He's all the he's, everything. He's all the religions. He was tapping all his core. Exactly. <laughs> he was just making sure he he was falling in. I just remember he had like. So many wives, 21 children. He, he, Oh, yeah, and he built this huge teapot, which is at his, like, so-called kingdom. And um, that was located in Terengganu, Terengganu, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> seen those pictures. Um, Did you just have a hard time pronouncing Terengganu? Yeah, it's such a hard time. I've been practicing how to say it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I'm like, people are going to judge me. Such a hard word. Anyway, so, um, and then his followers used to drink water, f- like, from his feet. Like, his feet used to be soaked in water, and his followers used to drink it. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but we are going to talk no, about no, cults. No. We've created an Instagram, so we'll post photos of each case we talk about and things like that up on instagram uh, it's called wait full stop don't kill me so you can follow us there for updates yeah updates and i'll post his teapot kingdom photos there <laughs> so dumb okay so do you want to start right. yeah okay fine <sighs> fine i'll start first this week the, the thing is is that i think i have mentioned this cult to like multiple people I think I just randomly bring up this cult into topic it's one of my favorite cults just because you know it's uh their ideas were very very interesting um Mm -hmm. my my case today is about heaven's gate which is a essentially a ufo cult that's why it's being called in like pop culture so we have to backtrack a little bit. So we're starting off with the main man of the story, which is Marshall Applewhite. So he was born in Spur, Texas in 1931. And he was a, uh, he was the son of a Presbyterian minister. So he grew up in a very religious Oh my God, it's always like that. They're always raised by someone religious. And then yeah, they take a so twist he, because they're like, I can make my own religion from this. Yeah, I think because he... It's just because they become very fascinated, right? With, yeah. With belief systems, or at least mm-hmm. he did. So he grew up going to religious schools, and um, he later went on to earn a bachelor's in philosophy in mm. 1952. And then subsequently, he enrolled in a Presbyterian seminar uh, to study theology, and he wanted to become a minister like his dad. But then in the middle of his course, he was like, psych, I actually love music. I want to pursue that. So he decided to change course. He wanted to become a professional musician. And later he became like a music director in a church. So he attempted like a professional singing career. He started teaching at the University of St. Thomas in Texas, which is like a um, Christian university, I'm 
yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It was a Christian university. So, however, he lost his position there after having a sexual relationship with one of the male students. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much the religious college was like, we're oh, not yeah. thrilled or supportive yeah. that you had a same-sex relationship. And um, I think this was probably one of the like starting points um, to his like mental health issues because later on in his life, you can see where this probably scarred him. Um, Being kicked out of the uni? Yeah, because it... You know, something like that, it, mm-hmm. it enables like, internalized right, yeah, yeah. homophobia. Oh, so, okay, okay. So it triggered him. Yeah, so he he definitely, like, demonstrated his frustrations with, like, not being able... Like, his sexual desires. I think it's more so, like, he was upset with himself, you know? Because he oh. was told that this wasn't right. Right, okay. So it's, like, internalized homophobia. Um yeah, so never mind. We'll we'll put a pause on that for now. We'll come back to it at a different point. But uh, pretty much after being fired, he met this woman who was going to change his life. Like this changed the course of his life. Uh, he met Bonnie Nettie's. So Bonnie was a 44-year-old nurse who had a deep interest in philosophy and biblical prophecies, which to me is like oh, biblical prophecies. That's a uh, that's an intense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I never. Yeah. Okay. So That's a lot. The, here's, here's the catch of it. Yeah. The pair met in a psychiatric hospital where she oh, was perfect. working. In. Yep. And he was visiting a friend, quote unquote, visiting a friend. Um, but yeah. So it later in his writings, Marshall said that he felt as though he had known Bonnie for a long time. And he was convinced that they met in a different life, like in a past life. Um, so do you know how old he was at this time? When he met Bonnie, he was like in his early 20s. Um, so she is older than him. Okay. But yeah, but they were just like a match made in heaven in their mm-hmm. mind. Uh, literally in their mind, they were a match made in heaven. Um, when they first met, she told him that their meeting had been foretold to her by extraterrestrials. And um, she had persuaded him that he had a divine assignment with her, which, you know, I love the idea of a psychiatric nurse who believes aliens told her that she and some random men (laughs) had a divine assignment. Um, Perfect. I think it's sort of telling of the mental health, uh, you know, situation during that time. Yeah. But yeah, Marshall and Bonnie became irreparable. And they began to study beliefs and pondering the purpose of their life and things like that. Um, They studied teachings of Christ, eccentricism, I believe is the word, which is a lifestyle of that characterized the abstinence of sexual pleasure. So you just you avoid that. Uh, Marshall read like a lot of science fiction. So they were just I don't know trying to find the purpose of life. I'm sure like most people, uh, but they just took it to a different level an extreme uh, level a very extreme level through all of this as they were searching they were able to like solidify a basic outline of their beliefs and they concluded that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies that they have been given a higher level mind than other people 
So they're oh. literally on one. Okay. Yeah. So in the beginning of this, right, they wrote a pamphlet that described Jesus reincarnated as a Texan who is, you know, as just like a thinly veiled reference to Marshall, essentially. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty much saying that Marshall was Jesus reincarnated. And they also concluded that they were two witnesses described in the book of Revelation in uh, the Bible and occasionally visited churches or other spiritual groups to speak of their identities. And they often referred to themselves as the two or the UFO two, which is, you know, not very catchy in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. no. So they believed that they would be killed and then restored to life and in view of others like transported to another spaceship. So they believe that after they died, that their bodies were going to just be transported to a spaceship. Okay. And this event would be referred to as the demonstration, which was to prove their claims. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's not to anyone's surprise that all of these ideas were poorly, like poorly received by existing yeah. religious communities. They're like, mm, I think we're going to take a, take a beat on this one guys <laughs> we're, we're i'm fine with the bible <laughs> yeah just stick to that so eventually uh marshall and bonnie they decided that they needed to find like like-minded followers as them so yeah people who would accept what their beliefs. they exactly so what they did was they published advertisements for meetings um which they were going to recruit disciples essentially so they were just like putting out advertisements. I guess this was really common in the 70s, right? The whole hippie movement and like yeah. trying to find oneself, that kind of stuff. Hmm. So, I mean, they uh, still have that sort of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so at this point, they believed to represent beings from another planet. So both Marshall and Bonnie thought they, I mean, told people that they were from another planet called the Next Level and uh, they were seeking out participants for the experiment. And they stated those who agreed to take part of the experiment were going to be brought to a higher evolutionary level, such like Marshall and Bonnie. In 1975, during a group meeting with 80 people, can you imagine 80 people? That's a lot okay. of people. They shared their, their simulation revelation that they had been told that they were the two witnesses written in the Bible story about the end of time they were like this is us you guys you should follow us which mm. um i mean yeah, i don't know man i guess but surprisingly they started to gain popularity as they started gaining members like a lot of members and they all the members sold all their worldly possession and say farewell to their loved ones like a lot of um, wow. cults do so and then the group vanished like they just vanished from the public eye they stopped putting out advertisements and things like that yeah because they have such a huge following already yeah it's pretty common for cults to just because they don't want to be under like government scrutiny yeah religion public eye so yeah so they were just like "Mm, we're going we're going we have enough people peace out (laughs) so from that point, Marshall and Bonnie, they chose new names for themselves, which was Doe and T. And later on, they would have other nicknames like Bo and Peep, which I'm just like, oh, my God. But for for this, for my story, I'm just going to refer to them as Marshall and Barney. Okay. Uh, Bonnie. No, sorry, not Barney. I don't know who Barney is. Okay. Bon- Bonnie, uh, <laughs> right? Bonnie, yeah. Bonnie. Yeah. 
So they were, they led a nearly 100 member crew across the country at this point. And they were sleeping in tents and sleep in sleeping bags and begging on the streets. So they were pretty much living in des- like destitute. Mm. I'm not entirely sure what their train of thought was. Usually cults <laughs> just like buy a farm and yeah, in the middle like, of nowhere. live off of that. But yep. they were they were trying to like evade detection of authorities apparently and the media that was because they were gaining media attraction and they were they were trying to like just hide away from that and they didn't want they believed that their crew was going to achieve like a higher evolutionary level through this way mm-hmm. so throughout the 70s and early 80s as their belief systems started to develop their membership grew sociologists agree that the popular movement during the 70s and 80s, there was like a popular movement of alternative religious experiences uh, just because people weren't finding what they wanted in the current religions that were available. And I mean, you also have to think it was a different time during the Vietnam War had just happened and things like that. So people were like, what is the meaning of life? Is it just war? Uh, They were just trying to find something else. Most of them were, as researchers would say, long-term truth seekers and spiritual hippies that yeah. were attempting to find themselves through spiritual meaning. And, you know, good for them, I guess. Good. Whatever you need. <laughs> She's holding back, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to criticize uh, hippies and backpackers. <laughs> but it's fine. Anyway. Uh, so... Here's the problem. So what happened was Bonnie, she passed away. So she had liver cancer. And, you know, this kind of became an issue hmm. because she wasn't demonstrated. You and know, she, she wasn't go lifted on up in a, into a spaceship. Yep, yep exactly. So they're like, so oh, shit. This is when Marshall started, like, revising a lot of the group's doctrines he started putting like even more reform and this is when the group kind of like goes goes a little bit more over the edge so this is when the 90s came right so this was the boom of the internet and they took they were like tech savvy like ready to go silicon valley put up a website congratulations and uh, yeah, so they started, that's how they started trying to recruit people. They put up a website. By the way, this website is still live, which it's really? really like, it's truly something beautiful, Tara. You should check it out. It's, oh, wow. it's like one of those really old school website with a starry background. Um, I can't believe font. it's still up. That's insane. <laughs> right? I'm okay. going to check it out later. Uh, Please do. I highly recommend every... It's just called Heaven's Gate. Like, it's going to be the first website you open up. I highly recommend it. They use their website to put out, like, information about their beliefs and to try to recruit new followers. And at this point, people in the group started talking because Mr. Marshall started talking about this. So there was this comet that was coming to, like, going to pass by the Earth. It was Comet... Hailbop. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Comet Hailbop. So he started saying that this comet housed the secret to their ultimate salvation. 
and that this was their passage to the gate of heaven. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay. The this guy's just trying to pull anything out just to make it like sound more and more. No, believable. he was like, yeah, this is how we're going. This is how we're going to heaven. Mm. And uh, since yeah, a spaceship so- is not available to pick us up. <laughs> So he believed that like a spaceship was trailing behind the comet and that they were going to be lifted up into it. <laughs> There's a delay because the comet was in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the comet's still coming to Earth. Right, so, right. Traffic jam. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about like the cult's actual beliefs. So they had so many beliefs throughout time. And uh, one of the main ones was that they believed that the planet Earth was going to be recycled and wiped clean before the year 2027. So we have about seven years, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> and the Earth was going to be wiped clean before the year 2027. And the only chance for their consciousness uh, to survive was to leave their human bodies at an appointed time, Tara. So not just any time. They have the time, which is that Haley Comet. At first, the group had been told that they were going to be transported with their bodies aboard a spaceship that would come to Earth and take the crew to heaven. This was referred to as the next level. But, so like I said, when Bonnie died, it really, you know, the group was like, uh, excuse me, Marshall, what you said didn't come true. <laughs> and and then this is when he like rectified what he said and said, this was because Bonnie was already chosen for the next level. He's pulling so things out of his ass. Was, so she was just a messenger on Earth. So she, her body didn't need to like leave. Oh. She was already in outer space, essentially. Okay, okay. So they they changed their belief system so that it's not the body that's going to be taken out. It's just their consciousness is going to be like taken out to outer space. Mm. Like their soul. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So another like core belief was that the group was very against suicide. But they defined suicide slightly differently. So they defined it to turn against the next level when it's being offered. It's not actually like killing yourself. It's like you didn't follow them in their spaceship, then you mm. committed suicide. Right, yeah, okay. Pretty much the opposite. It's like choosing to live instead of like dying. Instead of moving on. They're not dying, Tara. Right, sorry, sorry. They're moving bad. on to the next level. God damn it. Yeah, so they believe that the human bodies were the only vessels meant to help them on this journey and that like later on their their consciousness was going to go right like what i said they believe to be an eligible membership in the next level humans have to shed every attachment to the planet this meant all members had to give up all human-like characteristics so Mm -hmm. they had to give up their family their friends sexuality individuality their job money possessions jesus wow yeah which is very different because most cults are just like businesses usually that just want to make money and here's something even more so because i've always said this rhetoric that cult leaders are just men that just like want to sleep around with multiple people oh my god men and women and want women to do everything yeah but in this case my friend it was very different so this kind of goes back to Marshall's like internalized homophobia. He made all the men castrate themselves, including himself, which, you know, is freaking crazy. I think it's because wow. he still like had issues with his own sexual yeah. identity mm-hmm. and desires. So. so to him, this was a way of like cleansing that kind of desire. 
boss so no one else can have exactly which that's really intense but yeah (laughs) i skimmed through a lot of if you want to know about their beliefs it's on their website (laughs) still open so one of the other main beliefs is that they believed in evil space aliens called luciferins and they falsely (laughs) represent themselves wait wait what is it called luciferins like lucifer from from lucifer they could even be more like creative with the names nope 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 they're (laughs) evil space aliens okay so they were falsely represent so these evil space aliens falsely represent themselves as earthlings they represent themselves as god apparently and conspired to keep humans from developing to the next level Mm -hmm. so they're just essentially like trying to keep people on earth they believe oh they also believe that all existing religions on earth had already been corrupted by these evil aliens oh okay although their basic beliefs of the group stayed genuinely consistent over the years like the details of their ideology was very flexible and there was like a lot of modifications now we're going to go back to where the cult uh is currently so this is october 1996 and the group moves into this house they rent this really large house that they call the monastery it's in santa fe california and uh the same month they also purchased alien abduction insurance which is in fact a thing (laughs) so uh the insurance will cover up to 50 members and pay out 1 million per person if uh, someone is abducted or (laughs) impregnated or death by alien which you know (laughs) I just want to know how these insurance companies prove these things but okay Uh, our favorite Mr. Marshall Applewhite in March 1997 he started to tape himself yeah and he has these videos up on their website, and they're called In Do's Final Exit. He was speaking about mass suicide and that this was the only time to evacuate the earth. So he was trying to like let people know, like, hey, if you wanna if you wanna go now, this is your mm-hmm. last chance. Do you wanna come to the so next level? These videos are super crazy to watch. I'm sure everyone has seen this picture of this man, uh, Marshall Applewhite. From this video of him talking, mm-hmm. he has like his eyes are super wide, and you can see like the whites of his eyes, and it's just real, oh, it's real creepy, um, scary. Yeah, he's clearly just not not there, not there anymore as a yeah. as a person. In the video, he talks about a spacecraft that is trailing behind the comet that's coming, and that this would be the event that would that's like signifying the closure of Heaven's Gate. At this time. I'm sure a lot of his followers started dropping off, being like, mm. Mm. you know, never mind. I, l- I love you and all, but this I think is not I might for me. This one out. Yeah. So he somehow still persuaded 38 of his followers to prepare for a ritual suicide. It always ends with a um, mass suicide. Yep, yep, yep. Of course. Mm. Either that or like a shooting or mm-hmm. whatever, but. Or, yeah, if so, the, or if the leader dies, he wants everyone else to die as well. Like, no one else can live. Yeah, that's true. He believed that after their death, a UFO would take their souls to another level of existence above human, which mm. he described as both being physical and spiritual, whatever the hell that means. But, you know, to each their own. <laughs> Trying to be PC. <laughs> Trying to be, yeah. 
So their preparations included each member's videotaping a farewell me- message, also on the website. <laughs> <laughs> to kill themselves, uh, each member took a some kind of chemical that would put them to sleep. I don't know. It's for epilepsy. Mm-hmm. And yep. they mixed it with applesauce or pudding. Mm. And then they okay. washed it down with vodka. Oh, so okay. So just really... Yeah, really covering all their bases. After that, they secured a plastic bag like around their head to induce asphyxiation. So oh they my God. essentially strangled themselves. Yeah. This part is a little, it's a, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So this is what they wore. They all, all 39 of them wore identical black shirts, sweatpants, and brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes. Wow, um, Nike's making bank from this. Yep. And armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team, which is kind of cute. I kind of want a patch like that. I kind of want one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so each member also had $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. So the $5 bill was to cover the, so there was like fines as they're transporting to the ship. (laughs) Okay. And the quarters were to make phone calls. Uh, It was the 90s. I guess. Right. So yeah. once a member was dead, a living member, so they did it in batches. Okay. So mm-hmm. once a That's member horrible. was dead. Can you imagine watching all these people die and then you're like, oh, it's my turn next. Ugh, my turn. That's, That's so, so scary. A living member would arrange the body by removing the plastic bag from the person's head. And then oh. he would pose the body so that was like, it would lay neatly on its own bed with their faces and torsos covered by a square purple cloth for privacy. Oh, wow. Consider it. <laughs> the identical clothing were used as a uniform for mass suicides to represent unity, while the Nike decades were chosen because <laughs> the group got a good deal on them. Which, Wait, really? You know, I kind of love. Like, I'm always looking for a good deal. You know, That's... good for them. <laughs> okay. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of the 39 uh, <laughs> members, 21 were women. Yeah, I know. It's usually that case. Women It's always are even very uh, susceptible I, been, to, I feel like he had majority women followers. It's just a common, common mm-hmm. thing. And 18 men. So they were aged between 26 and 72. I think uh, Apple White was the 72-year-old. But yeah. It's believed that they died in groups of three over three days um, wow. with each remaining participant cleaning up after each like the prior oh, group's imagine death. being the last person oh. yeah so they they think that the groups happened in 15 15 and then nine okay. so with the so the leader marshall was the third to the last member to die and then the two people that remained after him were the only ones that didn't like weren't found without the bags off of their head essentially mm, yeah so they didn't have the privacy. But before the last of the suicides, this group sent out um, tapes and matching packages with like the same type of uniform to former members of the or affiliated members of the Heaven's Gate group. Then to like tell them like, oh, it's not. Too yeah, this is to last chance. Yeah, there was also a videotape to like explain what they're supposed to do and okay. why this is the moment. Among uh, those in the list were was this ex cult member Rio D'Angelo so the package was sent to him on the evening of March 28th so that's like two days after he the cult killed themselves and it contained two VHS tapes with one of them being the 
they do finals exit mm. and the farewell message from the group followers. It contained a letter like stating what you're supposed to do. And it said, we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them. I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> Spaceship? <laughs> yeah. So upon like seeing these packages, he was like, uh, okay, I think I need to go check out like what the hell happened. And he went to to the house where he knew it was. Oh, And then my he immediately... Gosh. So the door, the back door was open as like, I think it was like a waiting for yeah. him to discover it. Hmm. And then he called like the police and he's like, um, so there has been a mass suicide. Please oh come quickly. Gosh. Can you yeah, imagine so, how traumatized that person was? Yeah. Seeing the, all the bodies, that's insane. Especially people he knew. Yeah, so the single deputy... Uh, who first responded to the call, like, entered the home, and he saw 10 bodies that were, and he smelled a pungent odor, which is real gross. So the bodies were just cremated after that, and, uh, yeah, then that was it. Heaven's Gate close. Too late, you guys. Can't go to heaven. <laughs> Missed it. Missed it. God but I damn love it. that there is someone keeping that website. I know. That's insane. That's really crazy. It's I was so watching um, Midsummer, and I was uh, watching how, you know, secret messages in his movies and Heaven's Gate was one of them. Like, inspiration oh. and adaptation, yeah. Okay, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm, yeah. Wow, that's, that's, wow, that was a lot. Really sad. A lot of people, I feel like, join these kind of things. I mean, even now, God knows how many secret cults there are. Just People just want to feel like they belong to, you know, a group or something. And yeah, that's want how to find, most Yeah, want to find are. the meaning of life. And By the way, I'm not saying... I just want to say that I'm not saying just because he was probably a closeted gay man that he, like, he did this because he was gay. Or not he did it, but there's some, uh, you know, like, internalized self-hatred from the society that he has deemed yeah. himself not worthy as a mm-hmm. person. And that's why but he a lot reacted of to castrating his followers. Underlying issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more like, you know, if we just accept people for being exactly. who they are, you know, maybe we wouldn't have mass castrations. Exactly. Thank you very much. Yeah, so think again before you want to be homophobic. So my case is... So I'm going to start my case about... A guy who I initially didn't know it was a cult um, until I did further research. It's more of like a family-based cult. And again, he throws in religion and all that stuff. So his name's Marcus Weston. He was born in 1946 and he was raised as a member of the Seventh-day Adventist, which is a Protestant Christian. And by the way, um, this doesn't reflect Christianity or his belief as a Seventh-day Adventist. I just want to throw it out there. He claimed his mother was a religious fanatic and his dad was an alcoholic and a child abuser who abandoned the family. Marcus dropped out of school and joined the army and when he returned to America, he got into a romantic relationship with a woman named Rosemary. Her name is Rosemary May Torina. So uh, Rosemary was married at the time, but she broke up with her husband and Wesson moved in with her and her children. So in 1971, Rosemary gave birth to Marcus's, uh, Marcus's first son. But at that time, Marcus was in a cultivating relationship with Rosemary's daughter. Hey, Weird. Yeah, she was, and um, her name was Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was only eight years old. Um, and Marcus um, was 27 years old. So, 
I'm a bit confused like whether Rosemary allowed it, it seemed like it because he had a home wedding ceremony um, to marry Elizabeth and he used a family bible um, to hold the ceremony and everything. So I'm assuming Rosemary you know, knew because... I never understand those videos of those like, you know, when people, are, when like little girls say, oh, I want to marry my daddy, then they like do like a mm-hmm. fake have you ever seen those like a fake that's wedding? so weird yeah i always I find think that's, that's so weird. really weird it's like like i understand the innocence tell... of it but at the same time you shouldn't um yeah no it's don't do it yeah it no, opens don't. weird gates it's weird it's gonna be recorded forever the poor girl's gonna have that like no just don't do it he began to sexually abuse her at the age of 12 and at the age of 15 he legally married her so marcus was seven, 34 years old and she was 14 sorry she was 15 but, but by 14, she was already pregnant. And by 26, she had given birth 11 times. Uh, one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how a child is able to go through all that, like, physically, he mentally. had a child every, every year. So one died as an infant. And she had, uh, so she had 10 children with Marcus. But um, one of Elizabeth's youngest sister left her um, seven children with them. Like, who just goes, hey... I'm, you know, I, I don't want to look after my children. Here, take seven of them. Like, it just, it just does not make sense. But so Elizabeth's younger sister uh, claimed that she couldn't take care of her seven children. So it was a full house. Um, uh, Marcus never had a stable job. He lived on welfare benefit and he had children who, were, the children who were, were able to work, gave all their salary and earnings to him. Um, they lived in shacks, boats, vacant houses. They moved a lot, like, they moved everywhere. They lived in boats that had no electricity or water. And he made the family stay below deck so they wouldn't be seen. Can you imagine living like that? Like, that's insane. Well, when they did go to shore, he made the women row his raft. They lived in an old army tent for 12 years, which was considered the better life. They had a better life in that tent. And they once lived in an old school bus, which I don't understand how how all of them lived in a school bus, but they did. They were doing um, bef- van life. <laughs> it was popular um uh yeah and this was before moving to california so they finally purchased an old office building in california so he had so much control and manipulation over the family some of them went out to work and they didn't say anything they didn't tell the police no one at all but again i feel like it's just because they were brainwashed and they did believe their dad was everything like they loved him and thought he was pretty much god so the women had to wear long skirts, head scarves, and always walk behind him. They had to stay silent, and they couldn't mix with their brothers or cousins, so female and uh, male were separate. He made his children wash his armpits and his drug lock, red dreadlocks, he, and he basically starved the children. They were only fed rice and would dig food out of the dumpster. He would order fast food and good meals. He's a really huge guy. He has huge, like, massive dreadlocks um they had to put three handcuffs on him when they arrested him so it's obvious that he's manipulative an abusive monster um he didn't let elizabeth uh, participate in bringing up the children and everything uh and the children were all homeschooled obviously and he would teach them his corrupted brand of bible So I'm going to explain a bit about his beliefs. So his study and prayer session session lasted for hours and hours with the children. In his Bible, he wrote, Jesus Christ was a vampire. And and because he shed his blood for everyone, um, you know, when I guess he got crucified. It's not. Okay. Go on. (laughs) 
Um, so therefore, you would need his blood to be saved. And he taught the children that he was God. They would call him Master and Lord. His children would call him Master and Lord. He used notion of sex abuse from the children of God. Polygamy from fundamentalist Mormons. And he believed that the end was near and his children had survival food and backpacks ready to leave. Uh, the children believed that God was going to come in the year 2000. And when he didn't, they just <laughs> justified that he was just a little bit late. <laughs> oh, yeah. But isn't he God? <laughs> That's so why he I'm was so late? <laughs> <laughs> I think they want... No, I think he wanted his children to perceive him as God. But, you know, there's an actual God. And so God was supposed to come in the year 2000, but he was just a bit late, you know. Okay, totally normal. He missed the exit. Yeah. <laughs> His Uber, his Uber went to the wrong spot. <laughs> so he told girls that they were destined to be his wife. By the way, they're his children. Just, a, just a reminder. Just a reminder. And he separated the boys and the girls because they were. He was afraid that they'll develop um feelings for each other. At least he got that one right. You know, no incest between yeah, the siblings. Forbid. It's also because like it's this thing where like cult members don't want to share mm-hmm. their their women. Like so. So many cults, there's married people that join the cult, but they're not allowed to be with each other anymore. Right, yeah. It's because cults are start by men who mm-hmm. just yes, like, want to have sex. Except, except Heaven's Gate. That was different. <laughs> Wesson sexually abused two daughters and three nieces. He married each of them at home um, with home ceremonies, of course. And they were around the age seven to nine years old. Um, each of the five girls got pregnant, and which obviously resulted to incest. The mothers never told the children who their father was because Wesson threatened to kill them if they did. In total, he fathered up to 18 children with seven women. And I would say girls because they're literally children. They're not women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're definitely <laughs> girls. This included five of his daughters. He would pick and choose what he wanted in his own Bible. And he taught his children that the police and government were the devil. And he always mentioned how similar he was to I David mean- Koresh. Is he wrong that the government... <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong there. I'm just saying. He's pulling up some pretty yeah. good facts. That's all good thing. arguments, you know? Good <laughs> arguments. He wanted to be like David Koresh, who is another huge cult leader. And David Koresh was a massive, massive cult leader. Um, he basically believed that he was the final prophet, which is similar to Marcus, but David Koresh was like... Koresh oh, believed he was... I know who David is. You know yeah, who he yeah, is, yeah. yeah. And he also used child abuse, rape, and assault in his teachings. Marcus really, really admired David. And he told his children that he was Christ and that the, that his family was similar to David um, Koresh's followers. So so Marcus said to his children, if you see Jesus Christ, you see God and you see me. Um, so one of his sons believed he was God until he was 19 years old. He was very abusive, not just mentally, but obviously physically. He would beat his children almost to, to death over thing, things like eating a spoonful of peanut butter, um, he would use the electrical cords and baseball bat to beat them. There was this thing called 30 days punishment with 63 hits per day. So 21 hits in the morning, 21 hits in the afternoon, 20 hit, 21 hits at night for days, like for days straight. And the children had to remind him and they would say, could we have our spank now? Like that's how they remind him for the 30 day punishment. I don't know what year this was, but he had two nieces and their names were Ruby Oritz and Sofina Soloro, um, and they wanted to leave the the family family cult. But yeah, they wanted to leave. And Marcus actually allowed them, but he said only if you leave your children. 
So desperate to escape, they just, they agreed to leave the children. But obviously finally living in the outside world and realizing that they were abused and held captive for so long under Marcus' control, they got several relatives to go and rescue the children. So on March 12, 2004, several members of Marcus' extended family, along with the two nieces that um, got to leave the house, they met up with the family on the compound on Marcus' like, land and demanded that he release the children. The two women in the house were calling Ruby and Sofina whores and bitches and saying, bow down to your master because obviously they're like, you know, you can't do this, he's, he's God. And it was said that Ruby and Sofina were aware of the suicide pact that the family had made. So the Fresno, Fresno police were called. It was called as a child custody dis- dispute issue. Ruby and Sofina tried to tell the police that he was going to hurt the children and even Marcus' son was telling that his dad had a gun in the house. But the police, like, didn't take us seriously. I don't know why. So the police knocked on the door to speak with Marcus. And Marcus was reported to be calm and collected and cooperative. And he agreed to give the children, but he wanted to say goodbye to them first. So he asked the officers to wait um, outside the door. And he went back inside and closed the door. The neighbors claimed that they heard gunshots, but the police denied hearing the gunshots. And during this time, they didn't have a warrant or any indication that it was a safety issue. Although the two nieces, Ruby and Sofina, claimed that there was a safety issue. But since they didn't have a warrant, um, they didn't have authority to enter the house. So they waited. And they waited almost half an hour until Marcus walks out of the front door and his clothes are covered in blood. Um, He surrendered himself to the officers and the officers rushed inside to the house. When they entered the house, it was dark and silent. Several coffins were stacked up against the wall. Very, very interesting. And they entered the back room and it was covered in blood and there was a pile of bodies. Some of them were children and each of them was shot through the eye, which is so horrifying. And the police officers who found the bodies were so traumatized that they need um, therapy afterwards. In general, I think anyone that works in law enforcement needs to do some kind of therapy history mm-hmm. has not told us any differently i would like to know mm-hmm. but it, it should be part of their job recruitment because you know the amount of trauma that they see yeah, or handle exactly. on a daily basis mm-hmm. you know if they don't take care of it, it it can be very very bad and we see that time and time again again true i'm going to name the victims and the ages just because it's so horrific and sad and maybe i don't know my heart just broke and how young they all were so Sab- sabrina was 25 elizabeth was 17 uh labelle was eight aviv aviv was seven jonathan was seven sidonia was two marshy was two ethan was four and jeva was one years old they're so young. Nine of them died in total. So when he first got arrested, his two sons came to his defense. Um, they said he's not not abusive uh, to anyone in the family. And, you know, he said he's cool to me. I'm the oldest son. It seemed like he treated the sons definitely way better than he treated the um, daughters from the yeah, interviews that I watched. raping them. Another son said they all loved him, they played with him almost every day, and another one said he's the best best dad anyone could ever have. But these poor children were groomed and brainwashed, and obviously that's what they were taught. They weren't exposed to the outside world, they grew up inside the home, homeschooled all their life. Uh, there were more children, obviously, but I think the older children were like probably working or something because they weren't in the house. So he was charged with nine counts of first degree murder, 14 counts of molestation and rape. And his family testified, but at this point they were still loyal to him. In court, Marcus tried 
to defend himself, saying he didn't kill anyone, and that Sabrina killed the children and then killed herself. But evidence were inconclusive. Okay, they were sure. <laughs> there were no prints on the gun, but her DNA was um, present, and her body was on top of all the others, and the gun was found underneath her. But they couldn't tell if she fell there or she was placed there. Um, same with the gun. The gunshot, uh, gunshot wounds in the head was inconclusive as well. While consistent with the self-inflicted wounds, a shot close range couldn't be ruled out neither. So, But um, Ruby and Safina's testimony showed that Marcus had complete control over the family and that he had, he had them do this if the police ever tried to interfere. So yeah, it was a suicide pact basically. So he would have Sabrina kill the children then kill herself. But in the end, it didn't matter because um, like, it didn't matter who pulled the trigger because everything happened because of him. On June yeah. 27, 2005, Marcus, Marcus Wesson was found guilty in all counts. He was seten- sentenced to 102 years for the rape and molestation charges and for the murder of his children and grandchildren, and he received the death, pe- death penalty. He was sent to San Quentin Prison, and that is the national's largest death row. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Oh, that was really good. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, it was not <laughs> as interesting as yours, but... I mean, I would say that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily join that guy's cult. Heaven's Gate had more enticing beliefs, okay, if I can just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like his take on Jesus being the mm-hmm. vampire. I never heard that one before. Government being the evil. Um, Which he wasn't wrong. <laughs> he, he wasn't wrong in that stance. The thing is, is like people always hear cults and they're always, when they hear the ideologies behind cults and things, they're like, I would never join. I'm too smart for that. This and mm-hmm. that. But it's more of a people that join cults. They're always just trying to find a, self, a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a group, a membership, things like that. People want to feel like they belong. Yeah. So people just want to feel like they're a part of something. So, I mean, I would I would say that I would never join a cult. But, you know. You never know. I could I could meet someone in a vulnerable moment in my life. Exactly. And it starts really, um, you know, when you first join, it's not instantly you're going to find out like all these things. It's it oh, gradually yeah. builds up. You yeah, know? And yeah, then yeah. obviously you've already stepped into it. So you're going to be more be more accepting of all the beliefs. But also don't join a cult. Like if you think it's a cult or if, if, it, if they're talking about being part of a community, it's probably a cult. So I guess that's it for our episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope Sarah, did you enjoy it? Yes, I I very much enjoyed learning about (laughs) a cult I never heard about before. It's very exciting. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll talk to you soon next week. Stay safe. Don't join cults. Lock your doors. Don't trust anyone. Um, Especially that one. (laughs) Especially that. Especially these two. Also, heaven is already closed, so there's no purpose anymore, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> so wreak havoc on the world doesn't matter anyways <laughs> so positive we're ending on such a positive note you're always putting in something so negative no 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 no, no. it's 2020 the world is totally fine can't you see <laughs> and goodbye bye